from 2 Timothy 2, um, 1 to 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive their victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And please pray with me as we look at this part of the Bible. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look at this part of your word, we pray that you would help us to be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. And we pray that we would have our, our faith firmly fixed on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, we pray that we would know assurance and forgiveness and new life in him. And we pray in his name. Amen. I actually um, value the sermon feedback that I get either directly or indirectly. Um, there's helpful bits of advice that I've received even this year. Um, for example, the sermon with the illustration about the waiting room, the illustration was too long. Okay, I got that, but I think that was part of the point. I was playing a bit of a game with you there. I've also heard that there should be no mention of coffee. That comes from another sermon where I told you about how to make the perfect coffee um, and no mention of running. So, if I were able to talk to you about running and what it were like to go for a long run in the bush over multiple kilometres with lots of hills and how you kind of got to build up to it a bit at a time and start out slow and get comfortable, get your breathing right, yeah, you don't want to hear any of that. But it's the kind of activity that is good for grumpy old men, trust me. Just that time out in the open, it's, it does wonders for you. And the stubbornness and the determination and the grumpiness that you need just carries you through, makes it, makes it possible. But here's the key thing. When you're partway through a long run and you feel awful and feel terrible, the trick is just to keep going because who knows, in 10, 20, 30, 60 minutes, you might start feeling better again. And more often than not, that's what happens. You just have to run through those rough patches, which makes it a good, good illustration when you think about the Christian life, doesn't it? And worth mentioning in a sermon. Done. If I were able to talk about running, well, I could go into more detail. 
but I've been told no running, no coffee. So let's stick to the illustrations that Paul uses in this passage. So look down at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He has his own illustration there. So he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. There's this example of this picture of a single-minded soldier focused on the battle, not distracted by civilian things, following orders, committed, reliable. And you get the, you get the picture painted. There's another illustration in verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of his crops. Farmers don't have an easy job. They need determination and commitment. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes into growing a crop and there's not a lot of shortcuts to take. It's hard work and they invest so much of their future and everything they have into producing a crop. They plant, they irrigate, they fertilise and it takes time. And then, then the harvest, well, that's all about timing as well, when to do it and how to do it quickly. You may have had kind of your own small-scale attempt at being a farmer, maybe in the backyard with some veggies or perhaps just with a tomato plant. And you know how hard it is to keep the possums out of your plants, to keep the water up to those plants when there's not much water around. Um, you can extrapolate out from that as you think about what it would mean to have your livelihood tied up in being able to produce a crop. That's the farmer's life. You can start to appreciate how committed and hardworking a farmer is. And so here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, he's using practical examples for Timothy to help him appreciate what living as a Christian is like, what serving in Christian ministry is like, what sharing the gospel ought to be like. We need to be like single-minded soldiers or committed, hardworking farmers. And there's an illustration there I stepped over, verse 5. Mm. bit close to running, isn't it? You can think about that one. I think Paul has good taste. I think if they had coffee back then, well, he would have talked all about that as well. But after giving Timothy three illustrations, Paul says in verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. And as we reflect on his illustrations, I suppose, yes, I should do my job and try to explain this passage and put this back into context because we really just jumped in the middle of nowhere here. What's the context of these three illustrations, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer? It all starts back in chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Paul's giving Timothy, his son in the faith, his apprentice, he's giving Timothy two instructions. Verse 1, stay strong, and verse 2, pass it on. And there's your sermon outline. We're done. Um, two instructions that unpack what it means for Timothy to guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to him, which you saw back in chapter 1, verse 14 where Paul says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Two instructions for how Timothy is to actually guard the gospel like that. Hold fast in it, be strong in the, in the gospel, and pass it on, verse 2. A quick reminder of um, where we are so far in this short letter from Paul to Timothy. Um, we have into our third week looking at it. So week one, we looked at the beginning and the end, the top and the tail, and thought about the gospel heart of Paul in particular how he's motivated, what he's prepared to go through for the sake of the gospel. Last week, we looked at the rest of chapter 1 and the appeal that Paul makes in verse 8. We zoomed in on verse 8 on its own. The appeal not to be ashamed of the gospel, but be prepared to suffer for it. Um, and this week, stay strong in the gospel and pass it on. Last week, it was one verse. Today, well, it's two verses. Two instructions to Timothy. Two, Timothy, 
chapter 2, verse 1, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. If you just zoom in on verse 1, what does it mean when Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? I think what he's saying is stay strong in the gospel, in your understanding of the gospel, in how you hang on to the truth of the gospel. Keep trusting in God's grace. Don't doubt. Stay strong in the gospel. Hold to that truth. Um, There is, I think, as you attempt to live as a Christian, there is a constant temptation to doubt the reality of God's grace. I mean, we're all sinful people, and so we can find ourselves doubting that we're actually forgiven. I mean, we feel like we're not worthy of being forgiven, perhaps. And Satan messes with our guilt um, that we feel for our sin, and we have times when we feel like, yeah, we're, we're beyond God's forgiveness. Paul says, no, stay strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. His death on the cross is sufficient. You can know that you are fully forgiven through Jesus, not through anything you've done. And so as Christians, we can lose sight, I think, of God's grace as we give in to pressure as well to go back to kind of rule-keeping, kind of performance-based Christianity. We set up these you know, KPIs for ourselves and for other people, and as we fail to meet up, we think, oh, I'm a failure as a Christian. Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As we fall into kind of rules-based religion, well, we get into that territory that we've been looking at in growth groups in Galatians. Remember in Galatians chapter 2, um, where, where Paul has to uh, stand up and publicly rebuke Peter because Peter is giving into fear from the, the circumcision party, giving into pressure to cause Gentile converts to Christianity, non-Jew convert, non-Jewish converts, to be more Jewish, to be Christian. These kind of rules, and Paul has to stand up to Peter. Paul says here, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We're Christians because we put our trust in Jesus, not because of what we wear or how we perform or anything we do, not even because we might close our growth group in prayer. Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Being a Christian, um, it's all about being saved by grace alone. It's about trusting in the completeness of Jesus' finished work. And we are very easily distracted from that because it can be hard to keep trusting. And the Christian life has rough patches too rough patches that you've got to run through, it might get better on the other side. It might improve. There's all sorts of rough patches that we have. Sometimes it might be uh, because of things you've done that are wrong and hurtful, and so a brother or sister in Christ has pointed those things out to you. You've been rebuked. That's a pretty rough patch, isn't it? Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Repent. Say you're sorry, make amends, but know too that you're forgiven in God's eyes. You don't need to hang on to that guilt. There's all sorts of challenges that get thrown at us when we're seeking to live to Jesus for Jesus, but there's churches out there that don't acknowledge that in their teaching. Instead, what they put out there is what we've labelled a prosperity gospel, the idea that you become a Christian and everything will be roses. In fact, you'll have every blessing as a Christian. It's like they preach that you'll have heaven now. That's not what you see in Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul says, stay strong in the grace that is in Jesus. He knows that there will be hard times ahead. 
guaranteed. Um, when your rapidly growing children make uh, decisions and act in ways that make you worry, it's a rough patch. Keep trusting, keep praying in, and trusting in God's grace. When your parents misunderstand your actions and start worrying about you, keep trusting in Jesus, keep living for him, run through that rough patch. When the doctor tells you you've got cancer, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you're trusting in Jesus, you have nothing to fear, even in death. Um, come back to the kind of things that would have been in the forefront of Paul's mind as he writes these things to Timothy. It's the opposition which he faced as he stood up for the gospel, as he preached Jesus, the suffering he endured for the sake of Christ and his church. And Paul uses these three illustrations for Timothy. And for anyone who, like us, is reading over Timothy's shoulder, these illustrations of staying strong in the gospel, having the kind of commitment of a hardworking farmer, having the single-mindedness of a soldier, having the self-discipline of a striving athlete. Keep strong in God's grace like that. And in addition, Paul puts himself up as an illustration or an example as he shares his own experience. So pick it up again from verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. You say, Timothy, keep the gospel clear in your heads. Keep the fact that Jesus has risen, that we look forward to the same resurrection. Keep that clear. Um, even though, like me, you're bound to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Um, look ahead at 2 Timothy Four, verse 6, this gives you, I know this isn't in today's passage, but it gives you a bit of a feeling for where things are at for Paul. The second half of verse 6 in chapter 4, the time for my departure is near, says Paul. Verse 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he knows his time on earth is more or less up. And so he's handing on the gospel baton to Timothy saying stay strong in the gospel, keep passing it on. Come back to our passage, so chapter 2, verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see his eternal perspective. You also see his trust in God's sovereignty. As he has been working at seeing the gospel put out there, he knows that God is working. God has those he has elected He had, and he's saving those you notice his confidence in God's sovereignty. He knows that as he preaches, it's Jesus who's doing the work. And so then in verses 11 to 13, it feels like he goes into what seems to be like verse form, poetry, maybe a song that was around at that time. Not sure. But he says, here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And verse 13 is a little bit tricky. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I take it verse 13 is simply saying we may, be, um, we, we may not keep, uh, remain faithless, but God will stay faithful to what he said he would do, faithful to himself. He will judge. I take it that's the direction verse 13 is going in. And so as you run your eyes back over this short passage, you see Paul unpacking verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. He's spurring Timothy on, helping him hang on to the gospel, be strong in the gospel. And then there's the, the second instruction in verse 2. He says to pass on the gospel, to pass it on. He's telling Timothy to do exactly what he, Paul's just done to Timothy and is doing for Timothy. Pass it on. Um, 
Paul, back in 1 verse 14, has entrusted the gospel with Timothy, to Timothy. And he tells Timothy to entrust the gospel to others. So verse 2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. That's a bit of a funny phrase there too, but I take it what he's saying. I think he means the gospel which he's preaching, it's been proclaimed publicly. There are others who've heard it. Be encouraged. You're not the only one here, Timothy. You're not on your own. It's out there. It's nothing new. In fact, there's nothing new to add. What you've heard me say in front of many witnesses, what you've already heard, hang on to that. And now 2,000 years later, we've got nothing to add to the gospel either. We hang on to the same gospel and pass the same gospel on. Sounds a little bit like 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, where Timothy makes his public declaration too. Um, the gospel Paul is preaching, it's not some creative, progressive new fad. It's the same message that we're hanging on to 2,000 years later as we wait for Jesus to return. Now, I reckon in my lifetime alone, and surely I'm not that old, looking back across the years, um, there's been all sorts of movements and fads that have come and gone and come back again and gone again and come back again. There's been an obsession with spiritual gifts and tongue speaking. There's been healing ministries. There's been words of knowledge. There's been holiness movements. There's the what would Jesus do? craze. There's particular views on Christian homeschooling. There's Jews for Jesus. There's promise keepers and lots and lots more of fads and things that have come and gone. Movements which all put their own spin on the gospel, franchise it into something, sell it, market it, generate their own merchandising and ultimately distract from the core of the gospel message, the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul wants Timothy he doesn't want him to start some gospel franchise. He wants him to stay strong in what he's heard Paul teach in front of other witnesses. Hang on to the gospel and the grace we find in Jesus and pass it on. The second part of um, the verse 2 echoes 1 verse 14. So he says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Um, the Greek obviously says um, reliable men, but I think it's right to say reliable people in this context. Reliable people, entrust them with the gospel. Reliable people who are able to teach, qualified to teach. Two qualities to look for in anyone that you're going to ask to be involved in sharing the gospel. They've got to be reliable and they've got to be able to teach. Notice what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, entrust the gospel to someone who can play a guitar. Sorry, Steve. He didn't say, pass the gospel only to engineers. Whoops. He didn't say, entrust the gospel to theological graduates. He simply says, two easily identified qualities, things you can recognize in someone else, entrust the gospel to people who are reliable and able to teach. When it comes to um, the point where you're sick of sermon illustrations about coffee and running and you want to replace your minister, look for someone who is reliable. They can be trusted and look for someone who can teach. Any other quality they may have, well, it comes a distant second. When you're considering asking someone to help with KPC kids, two questions. Are they reliable? Can they teach? When you're considering um, encouraging someone to head off to QTC to train for the ministry. Is that person reliable? Are they trustworthy? Sure, you go to college, I think you can learn how to teach better, but you're not going to come out of college the other end being more reliable than you were going in. I know this point is very simple, 
But how many times do we see Christians distracted by a person's charisma or their good looks or their success in other spheres and think that will somehow kind of blur over into Christian, the Christian realm? And you think, yeah, that person, they'd make a great youth group leader. I mean, look at how they dress. Wow, they'll just fit right in. Um, yeah, you'd be better off with someone who's reliable and a shade boring, so long as they can teach and relate and all those other things. But the two things to look for, reliable and able to teach. Two instructions for Paul and Timothy, uh, from Paul to Timothy, stay strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and pass it on. I don't know about you, but I, I reckon looking at this short New Testament letter, I find it encouraging. Um, it's refreshing because I think it's just uncomplicated. And I think what we see is the apostle's gospel heart and his motivation to see people living for Jesus. And you see a bit of the urgency, knowing that his time is nearly up. Um, and I reckon, yeah, it's nice to keep reading, keep thinking about these things. But for this week, stay strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and pass on the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the way that you used Paul, the way that you used Timothy, for the way that you've preserved these words for us. Lord, we thank you for the way that you continue to speak to us through your word in the Bible. Lord, we ask for each of us that we would understand that our sins are forgiven in Jesus, that we would have our trust firmly in him. Lord, we pray that we would be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. Lord, we pray too that we would be playing our part in passing the gospel on and encouraging faithful, um, faithful teaching of your word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.